I'm glad to be here this morning. We've got some, uh, an interesting message this morning. This is a message that's going to speak to each and every one of us. All of us are at different places and phases in our life. And today I want to come at you just a little bit different. Today, this message is completely for you. It's, it spoke to me as I was putting it together. I wrestled with it, and, and I'm at a place now where I say, you know, this message today is a message that if we'll listen and take it to heart, it's going to impact and affect us forevermore. The title of this message hopefully will get your attention. It's called Yesterday's Bread. Yesterday's Bread. Now, in America, we don't have to worry about yesterday, yesterday's bread too much, right? Because uh, it can be a week, two weeks old. Some of us buy day-old bread. It's a little less money. As long as it doesn't have a little green on it, we're good to go, right? And we'll eat it. Even if it has a little green, sometimes that's good for you. But, but talking about yesterday's bread is really talking about being at a place where you're not completely satisfied or you're not at a place of, a con- of contentment in your life. And that may be you today. You may be struggling. You may, may be wrestling with where you are today, with church today, or with home, or with work, family, whatever it may be, you may be feasting on day-old bread. And eventually that gets old. And eventually that becomes frustrating. Eventually it doesn't taste good if it ever did to you anymore. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Now we've been in Ephesians 4, and you know that the Apostle Paul here is writing to the church at Ephesus. And Paul I just love what he does. He starts his letters with salutations. He talks about how he loves the church, how he loves people, how they're doing good, and then boom, he starts going on here and saying, watch out. And this is a little bit of a watch out passage that we have this morning. You've got to pay attention because he's cautioning, he's warning us about some things. If we're not careful, if we stay with day-old bread, if we're not careful, we can drift, and if we drift too far, it doesn't go good for any of us. Here he is. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. They, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We are created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So let me just talk about those two things real quick. Righteousness means this. It is as it should be between myself and the Lord. If you are in discontentment somewhere in your life today, then it's probably not as it should be in that area of your life. You probably know what I'm talking about. Some of you felt it. You've experienced it. You need me to call it out. (laughs) Are you there? It's Labor Day. I know y'all been working. Y'all been laboring all weekend. I know. You're exhausted. Look, so the Apostle Paul starts to address address some things. He talks about this righteousness, and then he talks about the holiness of the truth. And I'll talk about holiness briefly this morning. We're going to have a message not too long from now on holiness. So I'm just kind of holding back on holiness, if you will. But you know, last week we talked about the apostolic voice creates kingdom culture. Every kingdom has a king. And our king is Jesus. Jesus has a kingdom. Guess what? This world is a kingdom. 
There, there are things in this kingdom that are set up that are not of God, and there are things that are of God in this world. And as children of the Most High God, being part of His kingdom, we should be kingdom expressors to this world. Advancing His kingdom, Matthew chapter 11 says that His kingdom is forcefully advancing, and violent men take it by force. Uh-oh. Well, that gets your attention, won't it? I thought Jesus was all about peace. I thought he was the prince of peace. He is all those things. We're going to learn about some of those things. But this means that we are kingdom bearers, kingdom carriers, and we are to go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's who, who we are. So Paul gives a warning here. He, he says, notice things that are not of the kingdom. Now, those aren't necessarily his words, but he shares with us things that are not of the kingdom of God. Don't walk as the Gentiles walk, being influenced by the culture. That's a different kingdom. The culture is about separation. It's about polarization. It's about my differences and your differences. And it's about media feeding all that stuff and getting everyone hot and angry. Warring against one another. You know, it's hard to say a storm is what would have to oftentimes show the world what pulls people together. But you know, a common enemy sometimes. Did you know psychologists use the common enemy in some of their practicing? Sometimes they become the common enemy. Sometimes I feel like I'm a psychologist because I'm the common enemy. Man, we can't stand that pastor down there. That preacher Curtis, he's got, I get it. But at least it draws the two together. You got something in common, right? <laughs> anyway. So he's talking about don't walk as the Gentiles walk. So they're influenced by the culture. We're influenced by the culture sometimes and instead of influencing the culture. And he warns, he's cautioning against this. They're led in the futility of their mind, darkened in their understanding excluded from the life of God, his kingdom. He uses words like this, ignorant, calloused, sensual, impure and greedy, lost and deceit. All those things are who we used to be, church, but it's not who we're supposed to be today. You've got to recognize it. God wants us to eat of his bread, the bread of life, not the day-old bread, not, not bread that we had in the old self, but to feed ourselves the good bread, the good bread of Jesus Christ. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's Paul's command. Quit eating from all that stuff. Quit feasting on that stuff. That stuff is dangerous. See, the temptation for many Christians is to go back to day old bread or to stay the same as it molds. To stay the same. You know, you ever sit in church for years and years and years and wonder, man, why do I come here on Sunday mornings? Be a pastor and think that. You want to wake up sometimes? I think, man, some people get two days off during the week. Some people get a day off. You've got to be careful with that. You know, because we're, we're feasting on Dale Bread. You may be sitting in church today molding. You're no good to anyone. Not a terrible thing to say in church. That's what I'm saying. I can create enemies. And then, then you've got to comment anyway. But here's the thing. It, it, some of us feels like we've, we, we've stopped pursuing we've stopped engaging maybe your life is a routine no one can tell you from the gentiles maybe you're anesthetized all that you could ever be is all that you ever were years ago i used to go with uh, a man who would stop by the church and he just wanted me to to go with him to begin with and then he started wanting to come with me now he was a man well up in his 80s and i loved sitting with this mate man because he's a world war ii vet and so he would get in the pickup with me, and we would head over to the hospitals wherever we, wherever we were going. 
uh, during that time and, and for those days, and, and he would uh, begin to share with me the stories about World War II. And this guy was, was in, this, this guy, <laughs> I don't have that written in there. It's a military term. Anyway, this guy had seen a lot. This guy had seen a lot. And, and I used to wonder, why does he always go back to that and take me back down that road and everything that he's seen? He had lived more life in those two, three, four years than most of us have in a lifetime. He was still driving, though. He was still serving. Not only had he served his country, he was serving his church. He was wanting to go and pray for others with me. You see, if we're not careful, we become anesthetized. We sit and, and we listen but we don't hear. We don't take it to heart. In Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to Luke chapter 15. This is a famous, famous story. This is a parable that Jesus teaches. There's so much packed into this, and I'm going to get your attention through this today because hopefully I'm going to preach it like you've never heard it preached before. This is So the apostle Paul calls some things out in the Gentiles. He calls some things out to his church. He's saying, hey, church at Ephesus, beware. There's some things that go, that go on in church. If you continue to eat in day-old bread, then you'll wind up apart from God. You'll wind up in a distant country, if you will, serving a different king. So in Luke chapter 15, there's a story. It's a story here that, that you've probably heard before. So you've heard it called the prodigal son, the lost son. The son of a father, a father's love, the two sons, whatever you've heard, listen, I just want to unpack it quickly because we have a lot to cover this morning. There's two brothers. The younger asks his father for his inheritance. Now, you may think that's a bad thing, but I like this because he says, he goes to his father and says, hey, dad, I know I've got an inheritance. Can I have it? Hey, will you give it to me? And watch, it not only blesses him, but if you read the story for what it is and the way Jesus unpacks it, it also blesses his brother. His brother gets his inheritance at the same time. Ask and you shall receive. He got all of his belongings together, this younger brother, and he left the house for a distant country. He squandered his estate with loose living is what the scripture calls it. The NIV says it this way, he calls it wild living. You can just imagine don't, but you could. Verse 15, and he went and attached himself. This is what it says. And he, had, he attached himself to one of the citizens of that country. Now, to me, this is where it begins to steer very poorly. Because as he attaches himself to something other than his father, it becomes dangerous for him, for sure. He attached himself to the culture, to ways of the culture. He winds up in the mud pit of life, the old bread, everybody else's ways, thoughts, opinions. He's listening to them. He's doing life their way instead of his father's way. And you see all other ways lead to a life of longing. That's what the scripture here says. He longed to be back in his father's house. He wanted what he had tasted before, but he had walked away from it. Listen. Many of you, many of us have tasted, you remember, but you're settling today. You're frustrated. You're not finding life in his kingdom. You're settling for something much less, stagnant, moldy, crusty bread. For others of you this morning, you feel like the prodigal. You didn't know if you should come in the house this morning. Some of you weren't raised in the house. For some of us, it's new to walk in these doors and to say, oh my goodness, feels good. 
I, I, I love it when I hear people say the church feels different. Now, I've never been to a church like this. I've experienced something I've never experienced. Sometimes they can't even put it in words. You know why? Because it's supposed to be the house of the Lord. God is love. Anything less than love is not God. Now, don't interpret that the wrong way. Love has discipline. I'll just be frank with you. You don't discipline your children, you don't love them. The scripture says God disciplines those whom he, what? Loves. Because God is love. God gives direction. God has boundaries. God has some things set in stone for his kingdom to come on this earth. So the Apostle Paul was warning the church at Corinth as well. He's saying, hey, you know, you guys, if you stray too far from the house, if you allow the culture to bleed in, if you allow the culture to impact and affect God's kingdom, it will become a different kingdom. You've got to hold up. You've got to stand up. You've got to be firm. If you forget who you are, someone else, the culture, the adversary, the futility of your mind will tell you and lead you off to a far away country. Back to Ephesians 4. I know I've got you. You stay there. You stay in Luke 15. I'm going to go back to Ephesians 4 for just a moment. But you did not learn Christ in this way is what the Apostle Paul said. You did not learn Christ in this way if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus that in reference to your former manner of life you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which is in the likeness of God likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth now I'm going to unpack this for just a minute have you ever felt like uh, you wonder maybe is is a better word you wonder why you did what you just did why you thought what you just thought why you acted out the way you acted out right I mean look at me this morning (laughs) I thought she said stand up You know, we wonder. We want, I'm going to break some things down. I'm just going to move through this quickly. But let me help you unpack some things. From the time you came to Jesus Christ, if you surrendered yourself to Jesus, okay, if you, if you came to Christ and you did the Romans 10, 9 thing, right, you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You have entered into a new kingdom. Now, in that... Sometimes we grow stagnant. Sometimes we, we tend to uh, uh, get, get peaceful, get restful, if you will. We, we enjoy it for a while, but then eventually we start becoming frustrated. We start saying, hey, it's not feeding me anymore. I've got an answer to that, by the way. Stop eating. Jesus said, go serve. But anyway, that's another message for another time. So, so why do we do that? Or why when we come in and we think, I, I should never be tempted again. I'm I'm forgiven, Uh, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Why am I tempted? I just break it out. You're made up of mind, body, and spirit. Mind, body, and spirit. So your mind, the scripture says this in Romans 12, is being transformed. Paul just told us right here, the futility of your mind is dangerous. It will lead you astray. So our mind, look, we've got to train our minds. We've got to train it. That means that we've got to read. We've got to pray. We've got to think some things out. Think something through. Because your mind is being renewed. Your body. Sinful thing. You know, I, 
anyway i won't go down that road but your body what's up with your body well i'll just tell you right your body will be renewed it's going to your body's going and, and by the way normally your body follows your mind we're trying to teach it to follow the spirit but your mind's got to follow the Spirit. So here's what got fully redeemed the day you came in to the house of the Lord, the day that you entered in. Your spirit got fully redeemed. That's why the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans time and time again, pay attention to your spirit, man. Pay attention because as you do this and as you learn and as you study, as you're discipled, eventually your body will come along later. But just know that your body is in a decrepit state and going to wind up even more decrepit as you age unless Jesus shows up. Now, if you're young, okay, I get you. I was young once too. But that's the problem. And sometimes we're struggling and we're asking questions. So here's the thing. We've got to to look at what will prevent us from drifting away to another kingdom, to a kingdom that's not of him. The apostolic voice, that's what it does. It calls us back to the church, back to home, back to the body of Christ. See, there is a former way, the way of the world, the way of squandering, but there is a way back home, a way that leads to life and life everlasting. The prodigal had to lay aside some things to come home. His ambition wasn't necessarily wrong. Listen to me, church. He was an ambitious young man. He was wanting to go out and see the world. He wanted to know what was out there. But he, he, he started forgetting who he was. I love to be around ambitious people. They inspire me. Some think he was after fine living, after splendor, after wealth, after power. I don't think so. He was after control. Now, this next statement is very offensive. Just stay with me. Okay, just be offended with me. I wrote it. I thought of it. But it's very offensive. We tend to think that freedom comes when there are no longer any boundaries. We tend to think that is freedom. But what would freedom look like if there were no boundaries in the military? If there was not a way? See, it, if freedom comes with boundaries. And, and so the prodigal had to, he, he was sitting here going, man, I, I know the house, I know how the house works, but I want to go out and see the rest of it. That's not necessarily bad. You just have to be affirmed in who you are time and time again you have to know who you are and whose you are see he was after control instead of being blessed to go by his father he felt he knew better than his father he was going to go and establish his own kingdom my opinion my way my thoughts careful church listen to me don't judge him too quickly we tend to pick on people of the flesh this is what's got us in trouble because after i beat you up then I turn around and I say, hey, but careful now. We tend to look at people's fleshly sins. Oh, he's a bad dude. That guy went out and sowed his wild oats. Hey, don't do that. This guy has been beat up by every pastor out there, but who hasn't wanted control? Who of us haven't been deceived by the flesh? This man was seduced to leave the house. It led him to bread that was unfit to eat. In his defense, though, he wanted something, and he went after it. He tried. He at least attempted. When he wanted a portion of goods, he asked for it. And both, he and his brother, were rewarded because he was the one that asked. When the famine hit, he didn't pray in tongues. Look, he got a job. 
not against praying in tongues, but he didn't do it. He went out and got a job. True, it was a bad one, but it revealed to him the type of bread he had been eating. It wasn't the bread of life. When he was in the mud, he got out. You ever been stuck in the mud? All y'all grew up on highway. Shoot, I grew up seven miles from the highway or six miles from the highway. We've been stuck in the mud so much. Nancy was stuck in the mud last week. What, what are we talking about? Right? It's just a part of life. You just go in a ditch and say, well, forget it. I've already burned up three transmissions learning how not to. Right? And so, anyway, stuck in the mud. This kid was stuck in the mud, but he got out. This man moved. He changed. He was passionate. Church, we've got to learn to celebrate when these people come back home. Instead of beating them up, instead of looking at the deeds of the flesh, believing in them that there is the Spirit of God at work to make them whole again. That we've got something to offer. Our bread is good because this is the house of the Lord. Instead of saying, hey, wait a second, you ran off. You, you went away. You went and did your own thing. You did some bad things. You busted it all up. You don't belong here. Then where do they belong? Church, we've got to learn to celebrate when these people come back. Instead of condemning, we need to learn from the Father in the story and offer them the fresh bread of forgiveness and truth. See, a lot of us this morning, church, are silently frustrated. You know who you are. You're the, you, you're, you're the man and the, you're the other brother. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about it, are we? Curtis, let's skip that part. Let's just go on. Before we get to the other brother, just watch something. Luke chapter 15, 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? How many have more than enough bread? But I am dying here. One version says, I am starving here. He is hungry and no one will give him anything to eat. He made the decision to go back to the house. He figures out how he is going to repent. I mean, he even says, I'll go back and tell my dad, I'm not worthy to be a son, just, uh, but I will work for you. And the father, the father is in the field in the story, but obviously he had been watching for the son to come home. Can you imagine this father's love? Every day this father goes out and works in the field. He tends to his servants. He's doing all this, but in reality, his eyes are fixed down the road saying, Come on, son, where are you? Come home. Church, our voice needs to be a voice that cries out, that's out there looking, saying, Come home. Someone's gone astray. The 99 sheep are found. The one is astray. And Jesus said, he left the 99 to go find the one. That's the apostolic voice. Come and eat and taste of the fresh bread that we have to offer. You fathers, and you mothers that have had sons or daughters go astray, you know about working in the field and watching down the road. You know what it is. That's this father. It's what fathers do. I know that he's watching down the road because this is what the scripture states. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Oh my goodness. I think that's him. I know how he walks. I raised that boy. I know his stature. I know how big he is. I know how strong. I know how weak. That's my boy. 
calls out to him. See, he felt compassion for him. He ran, the scripture says, and embraced him and began kissing him. He put the best robe on him. He put a ring on his hand. He put sandals on his feet. He went and killed the fattest steer. Go get that fat one in the pen. Been feeding him for something. And they had a barbecue. They were from Texas. Now the other son, you know, there's always another son. I told you we'd get on this other son. Now this other son, <laughs> this other son, he's silently frustrated. And I want to talk to us this morning who are silently frustrated. Because many of us can identify one way or the other with a prodigal, with a with, with boy that ran off. But, but some of us have never taken time to really listen and pay attention to the other son, the, the silently frustrated son. Kind of like the other sister. I shouldn't say this. Something just came to mind. It's kind of like Leah. Right? <clears throat> Leah had another sister. Okay, y'all don't know that story in the Bible. The other sister, poor young man, works seven years and gets the, he's the old way saying, you don't get her, you get her. You get the other sister. The other sister's name actually meant gazelle. That's what it meant. As a matter of fact, it goes on to explain, she was tangle-eyed. That's, that's the scripture. She was tangle-eyed. She's the other sister. <laughs> that's terrible to say, isn't it? What are you talking about? I got to work another seven years to get what you give him. What? That's the truth. That's, I mean, if you if you break it down, that's really what it means. The other sister. I don't even know how I got on this. Now I'm trying to get out of it. But it's a it's a bad thing right here, right? Poor man got got duped. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Jesus, get me out of it. So there's another son. And some of you can identify with the other son. See, this other son is frustrated. He's silently frustrated. None of you know what I'm talking about here, but maybe a couple of you. He's in the house, but no one knows he's there. He's never stepped out. He's always played it safe. He's never rocked the boat. He's self-righteous. He's a procrastinator. He didn't have fleshly visible sin. However, there's some hidden sin. He's nice. He's neat. He knows church protocol. He knows how to lift up those in authority. He's a dreamer and not a mover. He has enough grace to receive his goods, but not enough grace to ask for them. He never says thank you. He doesn't say enough until he doesn't say anything in the story until his brother gets blessed, until his brother comes back. See, what do you do when living right doesn't work out, church? When you pay your tithes, you do your spiritual disciplines, you're, you're faithful, but you're frustrated. Who do you talk to when you're the one? I can't let anyone know. I can't let others see. When you've played it safe all of your life, when you're getting tired of being in the middle of the fight, there's no one who will celebrate with you. No one throws a party on your behalf. The one on the outside is now on the inside and vice versa. God, where are you? See, I don't know which brother you are or where you are today, but I hope this is speaking to all of us this morning. Both brothers taste stale bread at times, but Jesus welcomes all. There's a story of the Father. 
the story of the Father, right? Don't you love that? The Father. And we'll get on him in just a minute. Look, the one thing we learn, the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 4.20, but you did not learn Christ in this way. You came to Christ for this reason, because Christ brought the gospel, and the gospel is what, church? It's good news. We've, we sometimes become the man in the house where we become so self-righteous, the gospel is not even good news to us anymore. And so we are to be bearers of the kingdom, bearers of the good bread, offering others a place at the table, but we're so frustrated we just can't anymore. But you didn't learn Christ in this way. The Apostle Paul's reminding them, you didn't learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, whether in the house or out, he doesn't give up, and neither should you. You don't have good fresh bread, cook some. If God is for us, who can be against us? If you learned any other gospel, it's not good news. It, it, the Father says he, he is waiting. I mean, He is ambitious for His Son to come home. Our Heavenly Father is ambitious for our souls to be awakened in this place and outside of this place. He's watching. He's looking. He's standing saying, come on, come on. See, I, obviously I'm not a Calvin. Calvinist, Right? Because here's, I don't know where the providential hand and the free will of man cross. I just know they're both at work. Jesus is showing us in this parable, but we're also seeing it by what the Apostle Paul is saying. That you did not learn Christ in this way if indeed you have heard him and been taught in him. You have the power to do something about it. Cook some fresh bread. Jesus said, here's how you get fresh bread. Serve. Let's do something. What happened is when we sit around and we eat all the time, we just get fat and lazy. Man, I had chips and salsa last night, folks. I know about it and watch the football game. Number two, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Apostle Paul goes on to say, and that you be re renewed in the spirit of your mind. You, your mind's got to go to work. Your mind's got to work on your behalf. You've got to put your mind to work. It's important if you have eyes that can see or hands that can read Braille, then you should put your mind to work and read the Scriptures. The Old Testament Scripture. You know, the children would be expected for them. It would be expected for the parents to write the scriptures on the children's forehead, on the, in the children's mind. Why? Because it puts their mind at work, thinking on God and remembering His Word, and His Word does not return void. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Your mind takes work. It can work for us or it can work against us. It can create battles we were never meant to fight. Some need prayer for the enemies they've created in their minds this morning. Some are silently frustrated, looking for a safe place to release. Your father says this, welcome home. You are created with mind, body, and spirit, just as I said earlier. But it all is working in the redemptive plan of Jesus Christ. Mind, body, spirit, all redeemed for Christ. The third and final thing I would say this is learn to put on the new self. Sometimes this is tough. Blind Bartimaeus in Scripture. I love the story of blind Bartimaeus because blind Bartimaeus, he's laid up over there begging, can't see anything. And all of a sudden he hears of a prophet that's coming through or a savior of some kind. And he begins to cry out. 
You remember the disciples went and they said, hey, you need to quit crying out. You need to hush. You need to. And Jesus said, hey, stop rebuking him. Bring him to me. What is it you want? I wish that I could see. I want to see again. I just want to see. I want my eyes to be open. And Jesus heals the man. And this is what the scripture says. He got up and dropped his cloak. He took off the old self and walked into the new. The Apostle Paul is making it clear here. Put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. It's who you're created to be. It's built in righteousness and the holiness of truth. If you have wandered away from the house of bread, the Father looks to put some things on you. He looks to give you a robe, a ring, sandals. He wants to throw you a house party. I had to put my name in there. A house party, but you must come home. If you are silently frustrated this morning, listen to the words of the Father. My child, you have always been with me, and all that I have, all that is mine, is yours. The new self is in the likeness of God. It's about His kingdom. It's about eating His bread, church. It's righteousness and holiness. Two words, but easy to understand. Righteousness, it is as it should be because of the work of what Christ has done for me and my belief in that, it is as it should be. Believe that. If you're always trying to make the team, you can never position yourself on the team. I say it over and over again. Once you realize that you are affirmed, that your belief is satisfied and solely there in Jesus Christ, here's what that means. Now you can position or you can work on your position within the team. God, man, I saw WT play last night. Holy cow. They were laying some leather down. You could hear the pops. I was just loving it. But here's the cool thing. The quarterback, he's 6'5". That's a big old boy. And he can throw the ball you know why because he knows he's on the team and so he's not worried about being a linebacker or trying to make the team anymore he's focused on his position i know they lost last night but it was a well of a game both teams were excellent i love to see kids giving it their man lord keep me where i'm supposed to be righteousness it is as it should be and then the second one he says is holiness Holiness. Holiness is this. It is the power of God in you to influence the world around you. We make holiness about the holy table, the holy grail, the holy whatever. But Jesus is about this, making you holy. Holy people. We got the holy Bible, the holy table, holy communion. I get that. That means it's set apart for a purpose. But make no mistake, that stuff doesn't mean anything without his people participating. Holiness, the power of God in you to influence the world around you. Are you frustrated this morning, church? Where do you identify yourself? Is it is as it should be in your mind, in your spirit, in your body? Are you influencing the world around you? Or are you just participating in it? It's time to come home. Church, it's time to eat fresh bread. If you need prayer this morning, guys, I, I really prayed over this message. I said, Lord, I want to put one together just for the congregation. I'm talking about just, just for the life of us and the futuring of us and, and what we're about. And, and if, you're, if you're frustrated, if you're either one of those brothers or the sister this morning, God says uh, to come.
He says, come to me, ye who are heavy laden, heavy burden, and you will find rest for your souls. We're here to stand in the gap one for another. Don't eat the stale, stagnant yesterday's bread. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the bread of life, not death. So let's start this morning by acknowledging Him and thanking Him and by being a congregation that's all about Jesus and His kingdom, not Him being about us and ours. Father God, I thank You for this congregation. Lord, I pray for the one that feels they need You the most as well as the one that feels they need You the least. Father, I pray that You will light our spirits on fire for You, that we would never grow stagnant, that we'd never be complacent. Lord, that we would be Uh, faith takers not risk takers Lord I just pray that you would enhance our lives to look more and more like you each and every day so that we would be kingdom bearers Father I pray for those who need prayer this morning they know who they are they know where they're struggling and if they're struggling Father give them the strength to come forward you say if you acknowledge me before men I will acknowledge you before the Father part of us coming forward is is just to say hey uh, Jesus I acknowledge you I need your strength. I need your hope. I need you to equip me for the works of service. Lord, we love you and we bless you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen.